welcome back to episode 10 of the Student Physio Podcast. This week it's me, Rad Carrigan, with Lewis Cohen co-hosting. This week we're welcoming two of Bradford's physio students to the podcast. Both students are coming to the end of their time at Bradford with graduation soon approaching and entering the world of work. First, we have Dexter Spiro, who is a year three student on the BSc programme, and Joe Cavedas, who is a year four student enrolled from the Physio MSc, who refer to MFIS. So guys, welcome to the podcast. Hello. Hi, you're right. So first of all, lads, congratulations on completing university. That must feel like a huge weight off your shoulders. Uh, yeah, definitely. Massively. Like, I feel like, you know, graduating and also getting a job a few weeks ago has like really massively helped. So, yeah, yeah. It feels, feels good to have a job, um, finishing all my work and then going into a job. But yeah, big weight lifted off my shoulders. Okay, so we're going to kick off the podcast by looking back at your university experience at Bradford. Um, so, first off, Dexter, would you be able to tell us some of your favourite highlights from your time at Bradford? So, uh, I'd say joining several sports in my first year um, has led to several highlights, uh, having a lot of social events with those sports, um, attending stuff like varsity, uh, say, the bigger events such as the party on the amp, uh, intramural, uh, that's a, a big highlight, even if it goes wrong sometimes and you get a torn ACL. Um, Team Bradford, that's another uh, highlight. Um, I think one of the big things for me is uh, joining Bradford, it's made me a lot more cultured, um, getting to know a lot more people and learning about their religious backgrounds. Um, so, yeah. And Joe, um, what are your favourite highlights from your time at Bradford? Uh, just a couple of similar ones to Dexter, really. So, intramural. I mean, my highlight for intramural is probably second year. Um, just when it comes second after the, so getting took the rugby team in both first and second was pretty good. Just being able to mess around thinking second year is pretty good. I was yeah, that was fun. A couple of rugby tours we've done at the university. So going abroad to Croatia in my my first year was amazing. Um and then we went to Amsterdam in our my third uh, well, went to, in my second year, went to Amsterdam and that was incredible as well. Um and then a couple of cross codes wins. So, you know, playing for the rugby union team, also getting a couple over the rugby league team, massive. So always good to to leave unbeaten on the cross codes field and probably then another one probably meeting my flatmates so I live with a I live with like four videos and a paramedic and they're absolutely fantastic I think it's massively helped me through the last two years of university and couldn't really don't know where I'd be without them at this point so definitely meeting them was a massive one for me and you're sort of saying about living with with physio students any sort of physio highlights over the last four years so yeah, doing second year placement in the, the, the university clinic for the university neurological clinic and the normal MSK clinic and also doing Hull FC, which is pretty good, which is like a rugby league team professional. Um, I think mainly placement experience because I feel like this has taught me the most. I think there's been a few interesting modules as well at university, uh, especially the neurological module is... For me, I didn't know much at all coming into uni about a lot of the neuro conditions and it was a, a real eye-opener eye to some of the stuff that was out there um, and a lot of the, the opportunities that uh, the university presents. So going a peer mentor, um, 
So teaching the students in the year below me uh, research methods did not put me in really good stead for being prepared for interviews and becoming a bit more confident. Um, so yeah, main, mainly a placement experience. And sort of looking at the placement a wee bit more, if you had one placement that you enjoyed the most, what, what would it be and why, Joe? Um, I'd say uh, probably my respiratory one because, I, being honest, when we did the respiratory at uni, I didn't understand much of it. Then going on to placement, it all of it made sense and a lot of it was uh, done through the uh, COVID outbreak. So um taught me a lot of skills um, and a lot of communication skills that I learned whilst wearing PPE. Um, I think it was great to have that feeling and that sense of helping out the NHS. Um, I think even some days we had roughly around 50 patients and six members of staff. Um, so it did feel really good to help, help, help out the team and leave a bit of pressure for them. God, I've changed my voice a wee bit there, haven't I? When, uh... <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, um, for me personally, um, I, again, I sort of said it a bit earlier. So I, really, I wouldn't say I've had a favourite placement. I've, I've really enjoyed all my placements that I've done. So, but like if I was to pick, obviously doing Hull FC, which is like a professional sport and it's like an elite sport, was incredible. Like just seeing them, just the athletes they have, and just, just obscene things they can do in terms of how, how like in terms of like when you look think about them physio, like you see patients like normally and are all usually a bit deconditioned. This like the, the the issues are due to not like being ex- exercised and that sort of thing. Some usually, and then when you go into professional sport environment, you've got all these people who are like. At the top of their game, just as ridiculous athletes. That was really good, but then complete opposite end of the spectrum. My last ever placement I did for university was a, a paediatrics placement. The I was at Airedale, which is quite a quite a, quite a large area, but the, what we focused on mainly was was actually the the kids side, like the neurological side of like paediatrics, which I, I really enjoyed. So. Yeah, it sounds. Um, um, sorry. Yeah. Sorry, Dexter, do you want to go on? Joe, did you ever see a condition called Barron's disease? I think that's what it's called. Um, I don't believe so, no. There's this girl who had a BRI. I've got to say, it's probably maybe the most heartbreaking I've ever been. Well, it was upsetting with that girl who was who had the disease. Um she was just constantly twitching. Uh, I think her breathing rate was at 90 breaths a minute. So she was breathing incredibly quickly. Um, and it, she'd just been like that for about 12 years. But sad stuff on paediatrics, but it's a completely different world out there. It's, it's very challenging, I found it. Yeah. I loved it. I absolutely loved paediatrics. I thought it was fantastic. I think definitely if anyone who needs to have either confidence built or just to see something different like because obviously pediatrics is quite good because you get to see a, a massive variety because it's essentially its own speciality well it is its own speciality like you can't go as like i don't think you can go as a band five into pediatrics you got to do you got to do a few rotations first and then you can go look to go into pediatrics it's, it's incredible and like some of the, like the people i met there were really good at airdale like uh, my educator there was fantastic she was really good with me obviously understanding because of covid 
it was very hard for me to do most of my stuff. Also, it's a pass fail placement, so it was a bit different from normal. But it was it was fantastic. Absolutely, I loved it. I thought my, I thought it was fantastic. So yeah, and um, so building on the back of talking about placements, over overlooking all of your placements, could you highlight one specific challenge that you had and that you faced on placement that you overcame? Um, Joe, we'll start with you. Yeah, um, I think why one of my biggest things I had to sort of deal with was being able to know the difference between empathy and like oh, I can't think of the word. I've got to read. <laughs> I think it's empathy and um, I can't think of the word for it now. Sympathy, empathy, and sympathy. <laughs> oh, compassion. Ah. Uh. That's it, empathy and sympathy. There we go. Yeah. Okay. Empathy and sympathy, that's it. So being symp- sympathetic towards someone is completely between like empathetic. So instead of just sitting there feeling sorry for someone, feeling understanding where they come from and what they're doing. And like just knowing that you that's even though they're in that, that position, it's like you can still do something about it. And usually people are quite good at getting going and it's really good. And then probably another completely different one was when I was at, at home. The uh, one like my, my last week, the the manager got fired. Like that, the team manager manager got fired. So that was a bit of a an awkward one to go in back as a student when you've also been there for four weeks, and then only last week the manager gets gets the sack. So that was uh, an interesting one. But it was really good to see as a student because obviously, if you go into a professional sports environment straight away without that sort of thing, then I think it'd be a bit weird. How how do you deal with sort of one recognizing that? you were sort of struggling to differentiate between being sympathetic and empathetic. And then once you sort of recognized that, how did you sort of learn to put it in place when to have the right sort of quality at, at the, the right moment? I think my, I'm, I'll say, I've, I think of myself as quite a caring person, but I think it was when I was, it was a bit of the neurological, like in second year where, you sort of obviously see people where they've been affected by these these conditions and sort of you do get you get a bit world up but I don't think anyone can ever sort of look at that point when they first see something like like um seeing under this woman who who can't speak can't move you got a, a man like sort of cranioptomy they're cranioptomy I think that's the correct way to say it. but like where it's like partly scoldness like he just shocks you sometimes they make you feel and initially you, I think as a student everyone starts off being sympathetic like they really like just feel sorry for them and like oh, I can't believe you're in this position and this that and the other whereas with experience and time you sort of like you sort of like all right you are in this position we completely understand it but it's more about what we can we do to help you instead of just being sorry for them and I think that's massively helped I think my last placement was the that's where I really like I really clicked to me because obviously being pediatrics and neuro obviously you look I've never never dealt with children before and it's sort of like it was a bit sad to see kids of that age in those sort of positions. It's like, oh, it really it, it pulled on my heartstrings in the first week. I was proper like, I saw some, I think it's a couple of like, oh, I just can't think of anything off the top of my head what we had, but I just remember those couple of periods, like, definitely, I was like, oh, I feel I'm definitely being sympathetic. And I sort of sat down with my educator and she sort of like, she chatted to me through it. It's like, yeah, like she'd been in pediatrics for like I think 20 years at this point. Like, she's done a lot. She's been around, she knows how I was, exactly how I was feeling. And she's sort of like, yeah, you need to be more proactive, not like, not feel sorry for them so just change how you see it. it's like yes they're in that position but go forward and help them so I think I sort of find whenever I was working band three last summer during COVID the the hardest part of being in the hospital for me at, at that time was 
you maybe had a patient and you were doing rehab with them and they were doing really good and then you went in the next day and they were dead it was like they took a turn overnight and then they're just not there the next day and you're like how is that how is that even possible and that was happening every single day and it kind of wears you down a wee bit as well doesn't it yeah definitely but i think unfortunately i think the the best thing you can do is sort of realize that as long as you've done everything you can do and as a physio like our scope is we're not in most cases is not limited but like we we can do a lot but it's a lot we can't do I think as long as you understand that you've done everything you can do, it's one of the things that will yeah, definitely will knock you and knock your confidence, make you feel a bit crap. I'm not sure if I swear, but yeah, it will make you feel a bit crap some days. And definitely, I'm not sure where you were during COVID. Like, I was in the, an, an elderly care, care ward and like it was happening. Like you yeah. say, walk in one morning, people, they curtains closed. You're like, oh God, it happened. Some of happened last night and stuff like that. And it's, it's never good, but it's part and parcel of the job, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's where um, resilience comes in massively. Um, I think we get taught that, but I don't think there's a as much of a focus on it as there should be because I don't think, especially still, I don't think a lot of healthcare professionals were prepared for what was about to happen. I don't think a lot of students going into that situation were prepared either. But I suppose it's all about uh, learning, getting thrown in the deep end and then learning whilst you're there. Um, so Dexter, do you have um, a challenge that you were able to overcome on placement? Yeah, I think it's quite similar to what Lewis and Joe has said. Um, whilst being out during COVID, um, you know, being with a lot of people who've taken the turn for the worse, uh, we had a lot of patients who were doing great one day and then the next day they'd be really low in the sats. Um, but we had times where we had patients who were producing secretions that filled up that massive tub that they have next to the bed. And then the next week they'd be producing no secretions and they'd be up and walking, which was great. But um, one thing that I did realise on my respiratory placement was how it affected the whole team going in there every day with, what, 50 patients and everyone's just coming out and they just look defeated. Um, And I think this is called compassion fatigue. So obviously, you you just you you're fatigued with your compassion. I think um, one of the things that I found was that fine line of being compassionate to the patient, but uh, developing a relationship with the patient. Because obviously, uh, some of the times we we got to know the patients quite well, and obviously you develop a bit of a relationship with that patient, but you're coming the next day and yeah, the curtains could be around the bed and they could have taken the turn for the worse. So um, that's one thing that inspired me to do my project on, on that placement and kind of find out some interventions that I could kind of implement into the team, um, kind of get everyone's mood a bit, a bit better. Um, but taking it a bit away from COVID, I think, uh, another challenge is that uh, the tech placement we had, which is the technology enhanced placement. Uh, as for me, we were the guinea pigs. and We were the first people on the placement. Um, so there was a lot of, uh, it, it didn't run that smoothly. Um, there was a lot of confusion around the charity and meetings and stuff. And 
uh, it wasn't too entertaining with uh, just sitting there every day uh, looking at a computer. But, you know, it, it, there was a lot of advantages to it. It, it made me more resilient. Uh, there was a lot of transferable skills that I uh, developed and, you know, it just improved a lot of time management and organisational skills as well. So it wasn't too bad. It does. I think there's a lot of similarities between what you guys are saying and what Colin and Abby were saying on, on episode two, even though they had pretty much no hands-on um, practical at all you know even the skills going from clinical work to non-clinical work are, are very similar because whether you're you're hands-on or not you're still dealing with people aren't you yeah i i massive i'm not sure about you guys that i that the main thing i wanted to avoid was a tech placement because as a person like i really enjoy being paid i know patient you still get patient patient interaction but it's not the same. Like I, I really enjoy being the person. Usually, they, I, I've always found they're a bit more open. Have you ever done like any sort of like telephone triage when you've been calling patients? They're a bit not great at help, like telling you most of the time. But like being there in person, massive help. And I think that's I definitely had a bit of an advantage because I I held out for a bit longer for my last placement, so I didn't have to do a tip. And I, I got that pediatrics placement, so I said I absolutely loved it to pieces. So that's definitely helped. We're going to move on to, to part two now. In part two, we're predominantly going to talk about jobs and employability. So one of the modules in final year is specifically about employability. And when we, whenever we had James Armstrong on, he gave us some really good tips around sort of interviews and making yourself more employable. So a few lads have already got yourselves jobs before you've graduated. You, you know, you must be doing something right. So could you just give us a little bit of an insight into what you think you could do that you could sort of give advice for making the students who are listening a bit more employable and things that you have done to maximize your chances of, of getting a job. Joe, if we, if we start with you last week, you um, were talking about, about LinkedIn and building a profile on LinkedIn. Could you give us a bit more information about that? Yeah, of course. Um, I think from like the first year, there's sort of like, they sort of mentioned about LinkedIn saying, because I think about well, four years ago when I started, it wasn't massively at the forefront of being used for, by like traditional physiotherapists. It was mainly used by so like sports physiotherapists where they're trying to like work the way and right, get connections through teams. But it's that I created my LinkedIn in second year. It wasn't really, didn't really pay much attention to it. I sort of like created it and it was there ready to go. But in this, my final year, I really like I bolstered it. I really went through it and did everything I could to it. So, I so most of the time people were like, oh, the reason I didn't do it originally is because I didn't have anything to put in it because I was like, I've not worked really worked in physio. I wanted to make it really physio related. I said like, I've not really done much physio stuff already. I've only done like at the time I think I made it while I was at clinic. So I'd only done clinic. That was my first placement technically. And I was like, oh, it's not really. Can't really just put that on it. So I never really did anything, but. This year, I've added all my all my placements as like uh, like I think it was like internships is technically what you put it down as, and massively it makes it look a lot more professional. We say oh, I've done this placement in like pediatrics. I've done five weeks at Hull FC in elite sport, and it's really good for connecting with people. So I've already sort of started connecting with people around the area because we'll get into it a bit later. But I want to go like eventually move my way into like age grade like rugby union so working with like under 18s under 20 scotland ideally 
like and doing that way. So it's really good to, if you start building your connections now, you can start doing asking questions about experience and it's really good to connect to people at high level sports. So one of the, the people I'm, I'm linked with now at the moment who I've been chatting with is a head physio at Bath. And I've, I've known him through LinkedIn because obviously uh, outside of uni, I play a bit of rugby and he physioed like a couple of times for us because he used to play for the team. I was really good in terms of making those connections. You get to know people and it really helps get you around. Thank you. And um, LinkedIn's a funny one because I think a lot of sort of healthcare students maybe know it's there but can't really get the most out of it. Um, sort of guys I know that are maybe doing like business courses, uh, you know, they're on it all the time and anything they do yeah. straight on the LinkedIn. And it is predominantly designed for business and physio isn't really business oriented. But as you said, sort of building connections and stuff, I I find it really useful for guys who have maybe posted about like free webinars or workshops or um, things like that. But as you were saying about sort of just uploading things about placement, I think it's quite a decent way to make a portfolio for yourself that you don't have everything crammed into Word documents and stuff. You sort of put a quick two or three lines up um, and for yourself as, as much as anything, it's, you can always just refer back to it. Dexter, what's been your sort of experience in making, in terms of making yourself more employable? Um. So I think the first thing, if you're trying to make yourself more employable, but you don't know where to work, I think one of the main things is trying to get in contact with that manager or a physio uh, in that trust. Obviously, it shows that you're being proactive, and therefore they're going to recognise you, uh, which is great if you get an interview, because they know you're willing to work in that trust and you're interested. Um, I also think that, looking at stuff like the the hospital's caseload, uh, the trust caseload, uh, the values and stuff, and making sure that you put that into your application. In terms of making myself employable, I think take as many opportunities that come to you as you can. So, for example, uh, becoming a peer mentor at uni, if you get anything like that, if there's any courses that the university provides, um, anything on placement I mean I got the chance to be filmed on channel four whilst I was on placement um, and I was able to speak about that um, definitely say try and be a part of the CSP as this is usually what's quite desirable on uh, some of the applications um, so yeah try and make yourself as unique as possible yeah, I think um, that's um, overlapped again with some some of the stuff that James Armstrong said, where he said your application needs to be specific to each individual trust. You're not applying to be a physio. You're applying to be a physio at that trust. And therefore, they want to know why you want to work for them. So it really makes like looking at the case, though, looking at what that individual trust values and what they really keep as their core things. You really need to look at them and make sure that you understand and you are proactive. So yeah, it's really, really good to hear. And obviously taking every opportunity helps you get your foot in the door. And there is, it does seem to be that they, they like getting students involved in placement and they'll do an interview, even if it's just for the trust or if it's for like something big like Channel 4. It's always really good to, to get involved and you know, get put on TV. It's always a good thing, isn't it? Talk about the, the types of jobs a bit now. So Dexter, you've almost come for the traditional route for a physio student upon graduation. Um, so would you like to tell us a bit about your job and why you've chosen it? So yeah, so uh, 
I've basically covered most areas of physio. I've done MSK, I've done neuro, and I've done respiratory. Um, honestly, I can't say which one I've liked the most. I've enjoyed all of them. Um, so that kind of put me in the situation where I don't want to go for a specific uh, rotation. So obviously a band five rotational job would be great because I'm going to get to experience all of them and then decide down the line which one I want to move into. Um, obviously it leads, it's quite acute and it's fast paced. Um, and I really enjoyed my respiratory one, which was acute and it was also fast paced. So getting into leads was, was really good. Um, I'd also say, hmm, yeah, if you just don't, if you don't know where you want to go and you enjoy a lot of physio, even if it's, even if there's rotations that you don't enjoy that the trust has, I'd say still go for it because physiotherapy is different at every trust. They'll do stuff differently uh, and you never know it might be for you when you, when you start working at that trust. Yeah, definitely. I think, um, don't don't settle if you're not happy is another thing as well like you can it's it's fine to get a job and if you go actually i don't like this and you, you're going to get a rotation away in six months anyway that's absolutely fine give it your best learn from the experience and then move on to the next one and find that one you enjoy like physio is such a broad profession you can literally work anywhere so it's really good that you're keeping your options open um so on a little bit of a different note um Joe, you enrolled on the MPhys um, course, which has a sports medicine focus, but you've gone straight for a job in private neuro. So would you be able to talk a bit about your job and why you've chosen to work here? Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, I sort of like when I came to UNIDEV, I had like a massive focus like I really want to go on sport that's that's the main reason why I picked the MFIS cause it was like oh it's new to this year it was a bit risky going for it but I like definitely want to go on sport and I was really set and it was like oh don't care I have to take pay cuts whatever usually if you go straight in sport I usually have to pay, get less than a band five so usually have to like just that sort of trade-off but um this job that I sort of have gone for is a static neuro and it's like massive emphasis on like uh, Huntington's disease so it's it's a home they've they've created like quite close to Bradford in the, in the area, and they said they mainly focus on Huntington's disease, but it's anything from stroke rehab to they do so, uh, like social sort of social stuff as well, um, mental health. Like it's, it's quite even though it's a focus on neuro, it's like got a bit of other aspects involved with it, and it's a bit weird the fact that I've gone straight into a static role with no rotations compared to where obviously Dex is going into his rotations where he can move around and see what he wants to see. I think. In my in my second year, I sort of really fell in love with neuro, and I, I think that's the, the big things I fell in love with it. Like, I haven't had a chance to do any respiratory. I've done a bit of MSK and community sort of type stuff, and I, I did enjoy those. If I get experience in the private sector straight away at university, I suppose that will help me be a bit more employable because obviously it shows that I've got. A, not not saying that you can't I haven't got anything about them, but like I've, I've gone I've gone gone for it straight away. Like I've showed ambition. I showed sort of courage, I suppose. And I think that's a bit what's sort of come through the emphasis is that I've, I've got had an extra year at uni and I feel like I've really pushed myself. And I've, I said, I think the big thing that came across in my interview was like, she just seemed to like me as a person. And I think she understood that 
obviously a passion for making people happy and getting people fit and healthy. And that, I hope that's what I think came across. And like, I know it's a bit of a weird one, obviously not doing anything, not going straight into sport or looking to go straight into sport because I said two of my flatmates have got jobs at, um, one of them's uh, going to the Academy Physio, well, she's got the job at Academy Physio at uh, Harrogate Town, which is a football club locally around here. And the other one has doing some shadow shifts for Leeds with the, the potential to get uh, on as a, a casual academy physio with the Leeds United. So like they've they've gone the, the sort of the more emphasy sort of ideal route. But I think massively it helps the fact that it said it's still technically physio, just a bit more of a sport base. So um, I can still go on the sport. <laughs> do, you think, do you think that you know you go off and do working in Euro, do you think that might change your long-term goal of still working in rugby or if you really love this, do you think you could just settle into it? I think this is like a, it's a really good job for me, the person, because I say I'm quite caring and compassionate and it definitely, it suits me a lot, but I've always had a passion for age grade sort of stuff. Like I've, I've, it's just a, it really appeals to me to see a different, that you say you see a different set of faces every, every year because they're coming through, getting older. That's, it's, I don't think it's going to change. I think it's just going to delay it. Like, I'll probably be, uh, so ideally I was going to do it like within five years of uni. I think that's just going to push it potentially 10, 15 years down the line. And all I can do in that time is get more and more experience to the point where I'm ready to have that job. So this job is really good in the fact that it's Monday to Friday, it's nine to five, there's no one call. So I can do additional stuff on the side. So the plan is to go to West Park Leeds because they have quite a good setup in terms of their youth. Uh, I think there's another one, I think, is it, um, I can't, there's another team around here that's quite good in terms of like some of the best teams in the area and they've got quite good use setups and sort of that's a good chance for me to get some experience and obviously being private is a bit of extra money so unfortunately one of the trade-offs of being a physio and doing sport is usually you have to do either like just have expenses paid or not expected to get much paid to you and when you, you start off to get your experience which is a bit of a bummer obviously we're trying, everyone's trying to change that stigma you have to do free work to get into sport but obviously, it's a lot easier to get experience if you say it off. It just covered like the expense of say like your your like your what's the word materials essentially. So they cover the tape that sort of those sort of little stuff. Or they cover your miles, two games and stuff. That'd be quite good. But obviously, with a bit of extra money, I can essentially I can go in knowing that I can offer this and not have to worry about too much about getting paid for it. Just get as much experience as I can. Yeah, I think it it really highlights that. Coming out of MFIS, you don't have to go into sport as well. Like you said, you've got your flatmates are, are on MFIS, they've graduated, they've gone into sport, but you've graduated from MFIS and you've gone into Neuro. And I'm sure there's, I don't know what everybody's gone into, but I'm sure there's a, a massive range of, some Some are probably doing their NHS rotations. Like you can go into absolutely anything from MFIS. And I think it that needs to really be displayed, first of all. And then the other question I just wanted to add on the back of that, Joe, was do you think MFIS has helped you even going in, like additionally, even going into straight into a neuro role. Um, I think so. In the fact that we get, I've got had an extra year, and I think is with a three-year course, it's quite in second year, it's quite heavy placements. So, so it's so third year, whereas with the the emphasis placement, so we do and first you do like a, a like a step clinic, as you guys will know. Where you do a lot of massage and obviously do like muscle muscle techniques and stuff like that, and it, it's good because obviously it gets you interacting with patients really early on. 
So it within like, I think the step clinic starts in like October when you start in September. So you've got, had a, had a month of teaching or January, something like that. Like within like a couple of months of being in uni, you're already seeing people regularly, you're already getting hands-on experience. And I think that has massively helped in terms of early on, just building that sort of patient rapport really massively helps with empathies. But I think it's, being a, being a master's, obviously it does look better as well. We got a, you got a master's qualification coming out of university. And said so four years. I know that in Scotland they do four year courses, so it's not it's a not, not as doesn't look as impressive from coming to Scotland. But I've done a four year course where I've got my master's, so that'll say. I think it, it gets a bit more intrigue out of anything. So I've had quite a few interviews where I wasn't too sure if they were not massively interested in me. I think they're more interested in knowing what M physiotherapy was, and they was a bit confused because obviously it's quite a new course. It was well, say I was the first year that they did it. So I think there's a lot of that helped me get a lot of interviews where I think I don't think I would even got an interview if I just done like a no BSD course because obviously I applied for like uh, private jobs, like rotational jobs. And obviously I went for this part private job that I, I got. Yeah, I think it's really, it's really interesting because it is such a, obviously you guys are the first for it, run through and we're the second. So I think it is it's still massively evolving. We haven't actually had any, anybody graduate yet. This is the first lot of jobs and it's the first time that employers are seeing people with this qualification. So it's a very exciting time to see what is going to come out. So one more slightly different question that we talked about as in there is some some sort of stigmas that lie around in physio so like the one that you said that you should have to do free work to get into sport there's also quite another one coming out of physio when you graduate that you should straight away go into your rotations like Dexter's doing to find what you like to find what you to find basically what you want to do but if you've already decided at university this is why I, I want to work in sport 100% I don't want to work in the NHS should you have to do your rotations and what are your thoughts on this? As the profession starts to evolve, what do you guys think about this going forward? You can either of you. I'd say if you're extremely passionate and you know what you want to do, go for it. If you don't like it, you can always postpone it and try something else. Um, maybe even try and do something like, say, a normal physio job and then maybe have one day um, one day a week working with a sports team or working after shift when you go training um, yeah if you're really passionate and you really want to do it and you know you want to do it I'd say go for it but if you're unsure do your rotations first and it should give you more of an idea of what you want to do uh, yeah, I'm just echo what Dexter said there. Like, if you if you want to do it, go do it. I think a lot of people are very like. I think the is people I like quite well. Well, no, no, quite well. There we go. Have um, definitely they've all been quite passionate, knowing what they wanted to do. Like they've always been like said. The two guys have gone into professional sport. Where have always been sort of wanting to go into professional sport. They sort they sort of like looked at the NHS. I think the thing about going into your band five rotations is. It still is going to be a stigma, unfortunately, for the next four or five years because as as practitioners coming out are going to be the first ones who will start changing that old stigma of that you've got to do your band five rotations. Like there will be people who will come out who need to do their band five rotations and who sh probably should be doing the band fives. I'll say Dexter. I'm not saying you should be doing your band fives, but 
he said you've, you've loved every aspect you've done so you don't quite know where you want to be you know, so you've not done it for a job yet I think that's a massive thing like I know last summer you did spirituals as a job I think when the the wards so that probably massively helps is that what you did in the summer last year I'm afraid no, no. oh sorry that's me sorry, I thought you said that earlier no but like I, I worked in the NHS last summer and I really enjoyed it like on that the elder care ward and um I I loved it. So I think the stigma will change eventually and it will get to the point where so there'll be people who will go straight out of university and who are perfectly designed to work in professional sport straight away. There is people on my course right now like they're perfectly designed to work in professional sport. Joe, do you think you'll ever go into the NHS? Um I don't really know that when I've spoken to like this the Ofsted exemplar who's my employers, they they've been really massively pushing for like that. Like, yeah, prog- job progression is good within the company. It's not a case of like you, I'm not going to get stuck at like a band five or a band six. Like they, they they want to push people forward and get people higher up because if you if you're meant to be higher up, that's where you, where you should end up essentially. But I'm not I'm not I'm not going to write the NHS off, off. Definitely not. Like it's. It's one of those things I think people think that you should pay your dues to NHS, like you've come to university, you've done your placements there. But obviously it's a bit different for like us, but like nurses now who do like 11 hour shifts is ridiculous. Like they, obviously they do it because they need to do it, but like the stigma of you've got to pay your dues. I think being at university, you have paid your dues. You've done all those unpaid hours where you've essentially been an extra practitioner. I know there's a bit of additional support you get, but. A lot of the time, like when you get into your th- end of second year, start of third year, you are you're a bit more autonomous. You're like you're doing a bit more yourself, and you are seeing patients on your own. Because it's very mild supervision, so I, I think that's the stigma. People think that you should, you have you have to pay your debts back essentially, and like you've got to, you've got to do this, and you've got to do that. It's like do what makes you happy. There's no point being miserable when you're working, is there? Otherwise, you're just gonna fall out of love with it. I think it's sometimes got to do with opportunity as well. Like Joe, you were saying that you got to work um during the summer last year in the nhs and now you're not doing it like from my perspective last year whenever i was in the nhs i worked on a stroke ward and then an orthopedic ward and then was in mau and then was in the respiratory ward and then the space of six months i had seen so many different areas and enjoyed every one of them but doesn't necessarily mean that because i've done that i want to jump in straight away and into band five i think the expand like because physio is so expansive you can go off and work in private and do that for a year or two knowing that you've always wanted to do that but then still go back and do your rotations um there's always going to be a need for BAM fives regardless because just of how the the nhs is going to evolve and with people working working until they're older now there's that drip feed of of BAM fives coming in is there's always going to be be that demand but uh, sort of what Dexter was saying was that if if you don't feel that that's for you or you you don't know what you want to do essentially jumping into it whether you do it for six months or 18 months I know guys that have done rotations for six months just working as a band five waiting to get a sport role or a private role um sort of doing that to, to fit up to fill a hole but doing that is better than doing nothing at all you know oh, yeah, definitely. because the moment the moment that you that you sort of finish uni and you're not doing anything those skills are going to go back you're going to go backwards as the profession's moving forwards and, and you're, you're going to fall behind straight away. So I think, especially now, I, there's a lot of locum work as well and sort of um, 
doing shift work and, and jumping in. And I think even for, for students who've just graduated, jumping in and doing BAM 5 locum work can be really beneficial in the NHS as well. Oh yeah, definitely. No, I, I, I'm not saying that you shouldn't, you shouldn't do your band five. Like if I was to go into NHS, I assume I'd have to go back to band five and then work my way, way through that way potentially. But I think, yeah, definitely don't, don't sit around waiting for a job. Like if it, if you've got an opportunity, I'd definitely take it because it's going to help progress you. It's going to give you the experience you, for other jobs. If you want to, what are you waiting for essentially? But yeah, definitely don't, don't sit around waiting around. So I think massively it helped that that job came up at the time. I think it was just, does perfectly designed for me to go into it and I've I'm saying I'm starting on the 8th of June I'm still, I'm really looking forward to it so so for for part three we're going to talk about your long-term plans um, and get a bit of an insight into we've obviously learned about what what you're doing immediately but we want to find out what um you want to do sort of in the next five to five to ten years so Joe you've already said about um working in rugby whether you're postponing that for 10 years or 15 years, you're, you're not too sure. What do you think by doing the, the MFIS and sort of getting that exposure in sport, how do you think that's influenced what your sort of long-term goals are? Um, I think it's, I'll say it's set up better to go into sport. I've done sports specific modules throughout the, the time at university. So that's definitely helped. And I think it's given me a bit more confidence to go into sport. I think as a, a BSc physio, there's a, a few, I know that we share, obviously our university, we share our placements between the, the cohorts. Like it's not a case of uh, this, these sport placements were for the MFIS. It's are these sport placements for everyone who wants to go and do one. Like you, they always try and send the best people for them. So if you're interested in sport, they'll send you there. And like, that is a massive thing. I think that's, there's, there's no, there's not, not a big thing like you have to do sport placements as an emphasis. So I think I've done one sport placement while I've been here at university, whereas like quite obviously a few people might have done a few more sport placements and vice versa. Like the BSC might have done a few more sports placements to me potentially, but I think it's definitely helped planning yourself to go into sports. You've got a chance in obviously you've done a few extra additional like qualifications. So like we so you've got a massage, we've got a massage qualification, we've got a taping qualification technically of the course. You get things like you get also get more sport experience in terms of you do hands on a lot more, um, but in terms of my plans, I think I definitely want to do it. So I think the plan is the next few years pick up like a team on the side, like do like weekend like evenings and the weekend like doing additional stuff to gain gain experience. Put it on my LinkedIn, start building my LinkedIn profile, and then work my way into sport. I would really like to go abroad and do sport abroad. I think it'd be incredible to go do like potentially go out to Australia. So I think Australia have the leading sports medicine journal in the in the world, and it's everything they're doing there is, is like cutting edge. It's really interesting. So doing maybe go out there do the NRL because the people in the NRL are just ridiculous athletes. Like they are obscene. They're like six foot six and just run hundred meters in like twelve seconds. Just ridiculous human beings. Like obscene. So I think I'd be incredible to go out and work there. Potentially New Zealand. Not really sure. I just want to experience the world a wee bit. I think, but I think in terms of plans, like. I mean, I'm, I'm only 22, so I've got a lot of time and I've got a lot of lot of chance to go places. Obviously, when COVID relaxes off to the point where we can start moving around, that's definitely when I'll look to maybe move, but who knows? And Dexter? Um, I'd say I'm pretty unsure of what I want to do in the future. Obviously, I've said how I don't have a specific rotation that I enjoy. So 
possibly do my rotations for a few years. Then if I find somewhere that I enjoy, get a band six job in that uh, post. Uh, I know there's uh, people that rotate for roughly around six years at Leeds because there's that many rotations. So you never know, I could be rotating for that length of time. Um, I know there's also band six rotational posts. So maybe that's uh, an option. Um, you know, I've enjoyed my respiratory placement. So maybe a static respiratory. Um, I also enjoy sport. So maybe doing something um, as well with sport. Um, I've also had the idea of moving to New Zealand and doing physio abroad. Um, but I'd like to have a, a master's by then. So, you know, it's just seeing what I want to do that master's in. Um, but yeah, I'd say I'm pretty unsure right now, but I'm just going to see, do my rotations and then see what I enjoy. Yeah, I think it's one thing that's really important to point out is that it's okay not to know as well. Like some people know what they want to do and that's absolutely brilliant for them. Well done, go chase your dreams. But not knowing what you want to do is absolutely okay. And if anything, physio is one of the best professions to do it in because you can try every single different area and that's absolutely fine with it. So not knowing what you to do, what you want to do and just doing rotations and like you said getting a band six role you can just keep changing it up and if you're somebody that gets really bored of a job and you want to change it up every six months you literally can so i think it is it's absolutely okay to do that and i just think it's it's really interesting that everybody here as well lewis and i haven't oh, yet yeah, haven't you? we're all going to jump in on it um really likes the idea of moving abroad and i think um it's something that we're not taught about at all like everything about working abroad you have to try and work it out yourself there's not very much out there about how to do it um but from general consensus i mean all of us here are thinking about it i think it's one of my biggest dreams to move to australia or new zealand and work as a physio out there even if it was just for a few years just to get that experience i think it is something that's great that as a physio you almost can do that it's it's recognized across the world well, in certain places and you can move around it's really nice to see i think is there any uh, um, short-term plan that you two have if, if you started forming anything that you'd like to do in the short term i think short term for me as soon as i graduate i would be hoping to go to australia or new zealand i think it's funny that we're taught so much stuff that has originated from there and so much of the, the gold standard comes from Australia and New Zealand. And it's always made me wonder, you know, if we're being taught that, what are they actually doing differently over there? Just pra practical wise. And like Joe was saying about the type of athletes out there, it's a completely different ball game. And I think it's maybe slightly different for me because a lot of the, the sport in Northern Ireland is amateur and to build your way up, there's a very small pool of professional athletes that you're going to work with in Northern Ireland. And I would, I'd love to go to New Zealand and I have very little interest in rugby at the moment. I like watching it. I know very little about it, but their athletes are completely different to sort of athletes that you would experience here and track and field athletes as well. Cyclists. It's, it's almost like the, the culture of sort of being a sports person out there is completely different to the Northern hemisphere. And just getting an exposure to that is bound to make you a better physio. I think it's um, 
definitely what you're saying about going out there like in terms of what, if that we're learning what they've already been doing so what are they doing right now essentially is, that's it's very interesting thinking that way because so well, obviously when you are you a second year Lewis does that, yeah. so yeah so a lot of this, I have when you start like talking with Jamie so Jamie was like working for a lot of professional sport and he just comes, he has all these papers that seem to come out and they always seem to say medical, sports medical journal, like Australia and stuff like that, right at the top of it, it's always there. And the, yeah, I think the culture out there as well is a big thing I want to experience. So being able to be, because obviously the rugby union in New Zealand is huge. Like, it's like the way of life out there. And I think just being immersed in that sort of culture would be incredible. I think it would be, some as a physio, it would be amazing. I think as a player, it's even better. So like me going out there, definitely play a bit on the side, but I think, like just being out there would be amazing, but who knows? See what happens. I think um, it would be interesting to know because I think the, to get out to Australia, I think you have to do is it another is it a year exam or an entrance exam or something to get qualified? I'm not really sure whether that's yeah, New Zealand um, or not. Uh, from sort of what I've read, they've kind of made it a little bit complicated now. There used to be a, a little bit of a loophole that you could go to New Zealand, work for a year in New Zealand, and you yeah. sort of automatically got into Australia and that has all changed now and it's yeah it's it's watertight um (laughs) I I think I was talking to someone about a year ago about it and they were saying that they've failed the the Australian exam twice which has cost them it was something like 1700 pound or something you know it's expensive enough to get to get out there in the first place yeah I think you um you sort of so the issue I've found as well like I living down in Bradford, but I'm my, my home's up in Scotland. There is not a lot of professional sport. Obviously, you've got the, the football league up there, which is professional, but it's so spread out. And it's quite hard It's quite hard to get into. And then in terms of rugby union, there's only two professional teams in the entirety of Scotland. But I think Scotland, Glasgow and Edinburgh. And it's it, yeah, there's a lack of professionality of sport in Scotland. That's a, a main reason why I'm sticking down here for a bit to try and get into that way. But as I, I'd love to move, go back home. Would you ideally... When a couple, do a couple of years out and come back to Northern Ireland, or yeah, yeah, more or less. I think so. There's not that many universities, both like in the north or the south, um, and there's even less that do physio. I long term goal, I would quite like to bring emphasis over here. I think that you know because there's a couple of universities do the the masters, the two year masters in, in sports medicine, but none of them do it as a combination, and I think there. Are, are so many students that are that do that sport and ex, sports and exercise science um degree and then go on and do physio and then go on yeah. and do and they've sort of got like a it's like a seven year pathway to get what we can get in in four years and I think there would be a massive attraction if something like emphasis was was brought over here um and then I sort of like the whole sports medicine side of things I think one of the areas I like in physio that no one really talks about that much is actually treating athletes who aren't injured so you treat them for performance but you you apply a lot of the same sort of principles um there's a there's a clinic in in dublin that i would really like to work in and it's it's sort of sports performance sports medicine based um and they take a lot of sort of the gaelic players who might as well be professional nowadays and sort of treat them for, for performance and they're all the background of, of the guys that work down there are sports and exercise medicine based but then they've done sort of additional stuff in biomechanics and um movement analysis and things like that yeah the line i think become between s and c 
and physio's gone a bit blurry in sport now where you say it's that not treating the injury, treating for performance, which I think Matt, obviously we did it in my final year, we did enhance the sports performances. Like it was an unbelievable module, it was really, really good. Also, it would have been a lot better if it was um, to do if it was done without COVID because it'd been had guest athletes come in, had guest guest lectures. That was all the whole plan for all. So obviously, you're going to get the the amazing version of the the yeah. But as I said, even in the COVID version of it, it was incredible. It was so much so much fun in terms of learning how to do things like, like sprint sprint mechanics and learning about how. Like, look, just tweaking different things within sprint. I think well, I watched a two-hour webinar on um, on sprint mechanics, and I've never been so enthralled for a two-hour webinar in my life. It was so interesting what, what they're talking about. You know, little things can prevent injuries, and then obviously at that same time you're going to enhance the sports performance. So it, yeah, definitely interesting. That. Yeah, like I was reading, um, or maybe it was a it was a podcast that I was listening to, and it was about um, Tyrone Mings whenever he was at uh, Bournemouth. And he had done his SCL and I think the physio at the time told him or he had got a surgery and he said it was going to be nine to 12 months. And he sort of let him go off, sort of get, gave him a break of about four weeks at the start. And he came back and he was coming in, he was doing the tests and he thought that something wasn't right. And basically for four weeks, the Tyrone Mings had just drank every single day and delayed his return by like three months or something. And it was things like that at uni that were not really taught around nutrition and psychology. That's so important for physio and to make rehab work as well. You've got all these guidelines that say, if you do this, 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 and this, the player will return by that stage, hopefully. But there's all these other factors that float about in the air that we don't really have that much of a specialty in. And it's very hard to get nutritionists on board, psychologists on board just for one athlete whenever you're the one the one seeing them all the time. I think the sports medicine side of things kind of brings all of that sort of in one big one big group. And that's sort of like treating the whole person, but it's using the other people to, to sort of help you. And that's sort of the area I think is, it's a little bit untapped, but it, it's very interesting as well. With uh, Dexter, just obviously, we're talking a lot about sport at the moment. Like, do you feel like, What's if you were to go into sport? What sort of route would you take as like being part of a BSC course? What route would you ideally want to do? Do you know? Or I'll say if you don't, that's not that's okay. Um, in terms of getting into sport, what I'd probably do is I'd probably try and volunteer somewhere just to get a bit of experience, and then I feel like to actually get into sport myself, you probably need you know the odd few courses. And then maybe just a, an actual degree or a master's in sport if you want to get recognised. Um, if not, I think it'd be the case of, you know, starting off at grassroots and then working your way up. Obviously, that would take a fair bit longer. But um, I think in sports, one thing is beneficial is the, uh, the contacts. I feel like that can be pretty advantageous if you, if you want to, get into a place and get some experience yeah that's really it's really good to hear so many different opinions and so many different things for physio as well because there's so many different routes you can take and so many different areas that obviously it's like i think it was james armstrong that said it like it's almost like driving a car you get taught how to drive the car and you learn how to drive the car once you pass your test it's almost like that with physio to go here's the core areas 
off into the world, real world and see what you want to do, see what the, the real world has for you. And this is almost as much as you want to, to make from it and where you want to go. I think we're going to move our three questions now. First one is, what would you say the three most important or traits for your therapist are uh, and um, my three probably uh, yeah probably my we mentioned it but I've been resilient massively I think we sort of touched in a way saying that if you if you aren't able to you, obviously you will get knocked down but if you aren't able to get back up again essentially I know it sounds really cliche and I think yeah definitely it will be um, that's definitely one of my probably my top ones just have to be resilient second one's probably compassionate I think if you're not compassionate as a physio then I think you're probably in the wrong area like you need to you need to really care about what you do you, should, you can't really treat someone with that well you can treat someone without care I think it whole that whole I think it feeds back to if you're compassionate you treat the whole person not just their injury or their condition I think it's definitely got to try and treat, treat people as a whole and be compassionate towards them and probably the last one, but again, another cliche is they never be happy where you currently are. So not like, oh, just constantly move around, but like always try and better yourself. Like as a physio, if you're not trying to better yourself or better the profession, then you need to, we need to essentially, like that's what we, as physios, we want to try and get the best possible like, way to help and make people better, essentially. So they never be happy if just by one, don't settle, carry on, carry on, make yourself better and do as much as you can. I think um, the most important behaviours for me, probably first one is being honest. Um, I think admitting that you don't know something, I think it'll help you learn a lot as a physio. Um, it'll help you learn by the mistakes that you make. Um, I think another one is being passionate about physio. Um I think if you're passionate, um, you'll go very far in the future. You'll be willing to learn a lot of things. Um, I think it will kind of reflect on your patients as well. I think they'll respond well to your treatment. Um, I think uh, another trait is kind of being quite innovative. Uh, a lot of the time in physio, you, you're problem solving. And for a lot of your patients, you've got to take in uh, their expectations and behaviours. Um, belief, sorry, and sometimes that requires you to think outside the box um, and then come up with the best treatment for that patient. And the the second question is, what excites you the most about physiotherapy? So we'll start with you, Dexter. Um, I think just the sheer amount of research that's coming out in physio is quite exciting. I think it'll be exciting to see in the area I choose to work in in the future, um, the research that comes out in that area, I think getting the chance to participate in research uh, is quite exciting. Um, I think physio in the future will become a bit more digital. So it would be exciting to see what kind of technology is kind of uh, produced with the digital side of physio. I know uh, I did a bit of research about Leeds and uh, they've created this app that notifies you when a patient's left the bed um, or when a bed is free in the hospital. So 
it's quite exciting to see what innovative kind of technologies that is introduced into physio. I know in respiratory as well, um, they've just, uh, BRI, they've just bought um, a vest that does vibs for the patient. Um, so just, there's a, it seems like there's a, a lot of stuff that's been coming out recently. And so, yeah, it's quite exciting to see what kind of technology will be coming out in the future. Yeah, um, I think a bit similar to Dexter in terms of technology, but there's a lot of like stuff coming about stem cell research and how it can be used to what people like spinal cord injuries where they've like the prognosis is well extremely poor in terms of not going to be able to say if they have like a, a lumbar type uh, spinal injury, like they can't walk or they have lost use of like that glossy the lower part of the body. Like there's a lot of there's a lot of promising research of stem cells showing that they can help sort of rebuild those neurological pathways and then obviously then the physio intervention after that. So like you can usually there's not, not there's not a amount a massive amount we can do as a physio in terms of rehabbing someone who's not known neurological connection to the bottom half of their body or whatever part of the body they can, but looking into maybe that sort of again bit connects to my neuro back with my neuro like job area would be really interesting to see what can be used that way. Yeah, I think it's really interesting that you both said like, upcoming research and technology. Um, that's similar to what I'm doing my um, thesis on as well. It's really interesting. Okay, so we'll move on to our final question, which is simply, are you satisfied? This can be answered in any way you want. And there's no specific way to answer it. Um, so Joe, do you want to go ahead? Uh Yes, I'm very satisfied. Um, I probably say I'm satisfied with my entire time I've spent at university and every interaction I've ever had with physiotherapy at university. I think it's been more than satisfying. It's been an incredible experience. And so I'm, I'm really glad that I've, I came, came to university, Bradford, and did physiotherapy because I don't know if I've gone anywhere else. I don't know if I'd be in the same position I am now. Yeah, that's really, really good to hear. And you, Dexter? Yeah, I'm satisfied. I think three years at uni has been really good. I've, I feel like I've learned a sheer amount of information um, regarding physiotherapy and I've met a lot of friends um, and I just feel very fortunate to be in the position that I am now. Um, I'm not very satisfied about my knee and tear and rupturing my ACL. Oh. Um, but oh, well, I'm a physio and I guess I'll know how to rehab my knee. But yeah, I'm satisfied to be in the position I'm in. Yeah, I mean, there's there's nowhere, no way to better end your career at Bad Bradford than um, tearing your ACL on the last weekend. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, <laughs> thank you both very much for coming on the podcast. It's been great to hear both of your points of view across both courses at Bradford and fantastic to hear your plans for the future. Um, we wish you both the very best um, of luck starting your new jobs over summer and Dexter whenever you actually get around to starting. Um, yeah, thank you very much for coming on the podcast, guys. Cheers, boys. Oh, thank you. Okay, that is it for episode ten of the Student Physio Podcast. We hope you enjoyed listening, and as always, don't forget us to follow. Don't forget to follow us on Spotify by typing in the Student Physio Podcast Bradford, and follow our Instagram and Twitter UAB Physio Sock. Thank you very much for listening and bye for now.